0: Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. It is good to be reminded once in a while, more than that, every day, that a spiritual battle rages around us. Are you aware of that? You think to yourself, how often do I think and ponder or even just acknowledge the fact that around me is raging a battle between the forces of good and evil, between God and the devil, uh, demons and angels, um, and we are tempted. We are caught in that. We are part of that. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord if we are truly Christians. We have a role to play in all this. We are told to um, put on the full armor of God. Uh, we are told to submit to God, resist the devil. And we know how the devil works um, through temptations, uh, lust of the eyes, lust of the heart, pride of life. These are the same, I mean, it, it's in tandem with the world. These are the same things that the world tempts us with. And uh, sin is the flesh, the world, the devil. Uh, we we have that going on all around us. Every day is a battle. Now, every day is not just a battle. There's other things going on in our days, but we are at war, and it's good to just be reminded of that. Uh, we we tend to forget sometimes, and, and we should enjoy life. We should enjoy the great blessings God's given us, absolutely, um, but we also need to remember, hey, we are at war, We do need to keep on guard um, because there are forces out there that want to destroy us, our families, uh, the good things uh, around us, our churches, um, and the good things that even inhabit the culture, that are features of the cultures in which we inhabit. And so I wanted to just say that. I I felt like I needed to say that up front. Uh, What we're talking about today is not specifically related to spiritual warfare directly. But as I was going over some of this material, I just thought, this is demonic. This is just, this, this is just evil. And I think um, whenever you talk about children and using children, manipulating children, abusing children, uh, I think the tendency, especially for Americans, is just to be shocked by that or um, angry about it. And um, in cultures where human life is not valued... Uh, children are not valued. In cultures where human life is, children are valued, and they're usually valued um, because of their innocence, because of their uh, ability to be corrupted, uh, their need for protection. They are, they, they have a special value uh, and a special responsibility, really, that attaches itself to the adults in any society, and the parents especially, those who would influence a child. Uh, Jesus said himself, it'd be better to have a millstone around your neck and to be cast into the sea than to uh, lead astray one of the little ones. And so I, I want to talk about this. Uh, there's There's been a video, some of you have seen it, called Will Convert Your Children. Uh, or that's, I guess, I don't think it's actually called that. I think that's just the main line from the song. But uh, I'm going to show you a clip of it. We're not going to watch the whole thing. But um, there th- this relates in total, <laughs> in total, to the social justice battle going on around us. While... People in the Southern Baptist Convention argue about the direction of the denomination, etc. As this is happening, as seminaries are going more left, as Christian institutions are pushing more left, there is a wind, a very strong wind, a hurricane force wind, uh, happening in the culture that is pushing everything in the same direction. And if you're not aware of that, if you are disconnected from that, you might think that there's just an in-house struggle within Christianity. There's not. This is not something that came from within Christianity, this social justice battle. This is something that came from the world. And that's why it's in everything that you can pretty much think of in your life right now. Every institution, just about your workplace, uh, it's just the same battle is going on, parallel to all these things. And so when uh, Christians get on the social justice train and they think that this is part of their Christianity somehow, they're, they're being very naive or they're undermining, they're agents of the enemy. And there's no two ways about it. Uh, they are, um, if they're at least somewhat knowledgeable about what they're doing, they are working for the wrong side to undermine biblical faith, to undermine uh, the institution of the church and, and the family. And what um, what I want to do is show you, I, w- I want to impress upon you th- this, this fact that those who are in Christian circles trying to influence Christians who are saying, peace, peace when there is no peace, are doing you a disservice. They're doing your family a disservice. They are um they are making sure that your children are ripe for the wiles of the enemy. And this is not something to play around with. It really isn't. This is very serious. And so I want to go through. um, We're gonna go through some Bible verses at the end, but we're also gonna go through Uh, some quotes from various uh, dictators in world history, what they thought of children. Uh, I I think there is a connection here. We're going to go through what's happening currently in uh, in, our—well, I'll just say in Western culture and in the United States in particular when it comes to um, the way children are viewed and the relationship between children, parents, and the state. And we're going to talk about what's at least some uh, leftist—maybe that's the word—progressive, social justice-minded Christians— Uh, are thinking about this, and their lack of concern, and their lack of concern should concern us. Uh, We need to protect our children. Uh, It is our responsibility, especially if you're a parent, you need to protect your children Mm -hmm. from the harmful forces out there, the bad ideas out there. Uh, So we're going to start here. Jordan Peterson, uh, who is not a Orthodox professing, believing Christian, but is, from what I understand, uh, coming closer to Understanding the significance of Christ, uh, maybe on the verge of conversion. I'm not sure where he's at, but I've heard these things. But here's what he said: He's certainly, I would say, a conservative um, in today's uh, today's world. He would be considered a conservative. I don't know about 15 years ago, but now, you know, if you're to the right of Joseph Stalin, it seems like you're a conservative. Um, <laughs> maybe not on everything, but uh, you know, every. I'm, I'm trying to think. What? Where's the cutoff there? I, I guess. You know, because Bill Clinton today would be considered a conservative. I mean, it keeps going farther and farther and farther left. So um, it's, it's just amazing. But Jordan Peterson is a conservative uh, in today's environment. And this is what he said. You're supporting ideologues who claim that all truth is subjective, that all sex differences are socially constructed, and that Western imperialism is the sole source of all third world problems. Jordan Peterson in a PragerU video, who is teaching your kids? This is a concern that is shared, not just. I mean, Jordan Peterson's a spokesperson for this, but this is a concern that's shared by parents throughout the country. I was actually just reading an article of it was seventy or so parents who uh, find have a support group, kind of a, I guess, more or less secret ish support group. They, uh, I mean, they've talked about it. I don't think you can access it though anywhere by find, like searching for it, but it was in a news story because they're not finding resources or support for kids who experience confusion over their gender uh there's only one narrative that's acceptable and because of that they've had to you know they they believe that there is such a thing as gender and this is something to be worked through and they need help and they have to form their own support group because the world is so dark right now and it's getting darker and jordan peterson is right when he says that's what you're supporting you're funding this stuff our tax money's funding this stuff but especially when you make a voluntary choice to send your kids to a liberal arts program, uh, and I've seen this many times. Uh, and look, I, I went through a liberal arts program. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I've seen it many, many, many times when good, you know, conservative Christian families send their kids off to college, and it's it's Proverbs one, sitting in the council of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners. That, that's what they're doing. Um, sitting in the, the seat of the scornful. They're they're hearing these ideas. They're listening to to evil ideas and if they can't recognize it if they aren't equipped if they aren't ready uh if their hearts are not rock solid uh they're going it, it's a torrential uh downpour and if you don't have a good umbrella you are getting wet um even if you do have a good umbrella you're still gonna feel some of the some of that and it's going it takes an incredible amount of strength to withstand it and i've seen um parents who didn't really realize what their kids were getting into and they became corrupted and they uh well you're probably thinking of stories yourself along these lines now this there's concern that parents have and i want to show you this this is a message from the gay community that's the name of the video some of you have seen this but it's interwoven with phil visher phil visher and his podcast and he's got a number of other i'm assuming progressives i'm not sure who all these people are but Phil Vischer essentially mocks parents who think that their kids are in danger somehow from what I'm just I'm describing here and you can see the smug looks on each of these people's faces as Phil Vischer's talking and this is the face in my mind that Phil Vischer is the face of the progressive social justice minded Christianity today. Uh, For those who don't know he created VeggieTales but he has taken a huge left turn and just watch this
1: how do we combat the enabling lies so to those of you out there who are still working against equal
0: rights we have a message for you
1: of you know america is at stake the church is at stake our children are at stake
0: you think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked funny just this once you're correct
1: are you going to say uh when when conservative christians start losing their children and i just replied to him and said to what rock and roll i mean what's the thing that's going to come and take our children i
0: will convert your children happens bit by bit Quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it.
1: Help me out here, fella. I don't... Is it the, the the child snatcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? What's coming down the pike that I don't know about?
0: Funny, just this once, you're correct.
1: Help me out here, fella. I don't... Is it the, the, the child snatcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? What's coming down the pike that I don't know about?
0: We'll convert your children, yes we will. Reaching one and all, there's really no escaping.
1: you going to say uh when when conservative christians start losing their children and i just replied to him and said to what rock and roll i mean what's the thing that's going to come and take our children I oh,
0: Well, um, that's sobering. I think, hopefully, uh, for many of you, the naivete of Phil Vischer, and I would extend this to many, many, many. It really is all social justice activists who are in the church. They don't. They don't know what they're dealing with. They don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's. All ignorance, though I think there's some, but a lot of it I think is also subversion. They agree with that kind of stuff. I'm not saying Phil Vischer specifically wants your children to become um, homosexual or anything like that. In forcibly, um, and it's not even forcibly. It's it's bit by bit, as you heard the song. It's it's subversion over time. It's influencing. It's uh, you know they turn on the television and they get the same message that they hear when they're at school. That now sometimes they hear when they're at church. Uh, or a softer version of it that they hear when they turn on their um, Spotify, that they hear when they talk to their friends, bit by bit, influencing, marinating, the frog boiling. This is how it happens often. And for those who can't see it, especially someone as old as Phil Vischer, there's a problem. There's a real problem. Uh, it's a legitimate question to ask. Well, what do you when when they come for our children, which is what he said. Someone asked him, well, "What are we going to do then?" Uh, do you not think? Are you so naive as to think that the socialists do not want your children, that the LGBTQ activists do not want your children? You just heard the song, and I'm not just basing this on the song. We don't need the song. This is something that's been uh, documented and studied and um, Exemplified for years. I remember talking to uh, Bobby Lopez. Uh, if some of you remember, he was the one that was essentially let go from his position at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and some of it had to do with it looks like a major portion based on the recordings that he recorded uh, had his position on homosexuality. And he did not; he was not in line with what the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission believed about homosexuality—that it's you know this innate. Uh, orientation, that you might not be delivered from, that it's uh, it's something that you can be a Christian with. it's you know He is uh, a former homosexual practicing and has a family, has kids, says no, that this is not right. And for that, for sharing his testimony, for doing it so without approval from the school, uh, that kind of thing, you can go watch the video where we document some of this, uh, he was let go. And um, at least in part, that was, that was a big part of it. So, um, I was talking to him and I remember him just telling me that like this, this is, this is what they want. This is, I was in the community. I was, I was with these people in California. This is what their goal is. They want to subvert. They want to get children, They corrupt children. And, um, I I'm not going to say any much more about that, but there's, um, uh, in what ways, because I, I'd have to be even careful how I phrase some of the ways that they go about this, uh, some of the things that they want kids to think about and to do. But um, all that to say, there, there certainly is. Um, and we shouldn't be surprised. If you read the Bible, you shouldn't be surprised that there's a spiritual war. And for those who are more vulnerable, who aren't experienced, who are still moldable, shapeable especially, that war is going to be more intense. And that's why parents need to protect their children. To just him and haw and say, "Oh no, <laughs> you're ridiculous!" For five people on this panel to all be smirking about these Christian conservative parents who are so concerned about their children—that is frightening. That this is someone, this is someone who created children's television shows. I think still does, if I'm not mistaken. Phil Vischer. So um, I want to bring you through some things. Um, we're going to talk about some examples, uh, just briefly of ways in which, reasons why parents are concerned. Uh, Here's a story from um, July 12th, 2021, this week. Medical Journal, parents should lose veto power over children going trans. Here's a quote from the Journal of Medical Ethics. If the medical community is to take LGBT testimony seriously, as they should, then it is no longer the job of physicians to do their own weighing of the costs and benefits of transition-related care. Assuming the patient is informed and competent, then only the child patient can make this assessment, because only the patient has access to the true weight of transition-related benefits. Do you hear the assumptions in this? The wisdom is in the child. I mean, this is opposite. I mean, biblical. biblically, wisdom comes with, well, experience helps fashion more wisdom. You can be young and have wisdom. That's true. If you understand, if you follow the law of the Lord, if you understand it... Uh, wise people don't always need experiences to teach them. But generally speaking, uh, it is with age comes wisdom. That's why there's respect for elders. This is saying the child can be competent, can be informed as a child making such a life altering uh, decision. And it's only the child, the patient, that has access to the true weight of these transition related benefits. It's not up to uh, the doctor, it's not up to the parents, it's not up to um, even society at that point, even though society, uh, elements of society have corrupted this child, it's not up to anyone else. It's up to the, the child if, if they want their transition, that they should have their transition. And th- this is a signal to the medical community. It's in the Journal of Medical Ethics that, hey, st- get over your, your um, <laughs> you know, whatever, puritanical, ancient, uh, you know, just outdated morals that you have your hesitancy about doing conversions on children, sex conversions, because you know, the children really do have the wisdom. The children really do. They're in touch with themselves more than you would be. Um, I mean, if you don't even catch there, a little bit of the standpoint theory here, kind of like, Hey, look, they're socially they're They're located here. And we don't have access to what would be best for them. They only know wisdom. I mean, for all the, um, the complaints about you know conservatives are individualistic. I mean these people, uh, these people are so individualistic, it boggles the mind. They uh, they actually believe that you know abstract ideas in people's heads about equality. So you know an individual thinking a thought in their mind about what equality should look like should be just imposed on everyone. Um, they they, uh, they they have there's an individualistic flair to the left. Um, and do, uh, do right-wing people believe in individual rights? Yes, they do. Um, but there, there's actually a great essay, not to get too off track here by Richard Weaver called Two Types of American Individualism. There's, there's an individualism of the left. There's an individualism of the right. The individualism of the right has local social bonds, family bonds, these kinds of things. You have attachments to other things. You're seeing an individual, individualism of, of the left in this journal of medical ethics without any attachment to family, to, uh, society, to, um, your community, any of these things, Uh, your responsibility before God, the way that you were made, no attachment to any of that. You are autonomous. You make your own decision. This is autonomous individualism expressed by the Journal of Medical Ethics. This just happened in a major medical journal. How about this? Transgender. uh, Oh, this is from 2019, November. Transgender. Over 26,000 men, girls seek Funds for breast removal at GoFundMe. Do you think that the message is having an effect? Yeah, it is. This was in 2019. It's probably, who knows how many it is now, uh, if it's still being allowed on GoFundMe. Uh, Hopefully it's not. But over 26,000 were seeking these kinds of things. Women and girls, children, we're talking about wanting breast removal. Who's making them think this? Why are they thinking this? UK government begins taking kids away from parents who won't go along with gender transitions. Story from May, uh, March 12, 2019. According to the Daily Mail, at least three children have been taken into council care after rows with their parents over wanting to change gender. Although local authorities are insisting that disagreements over sex change surgeries were not the primary reasons for removal. This is happening, guys. Yeah, here and there. Little little areas here, little areas there. Not always reported. It's happening though. Kids taken away due to COVID regulations. Here's another concern that parents have had recently. Let me there's so, so one article I was looking at said that there's hundreds of cases of these that I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure if we'll even know until the dust settles. But here's just two examples for you. Here's a lawyer in LA County. Um says that um L.A. County Department of Children and Family Services recommended that the court remove my client's child from their physical custody after the parent tested positive for COVID. This is a non-offending parent. The judge ruled in favor of the county and detained. Let that sink in. Uh, They they are asking counties for children to be removed from their parents' custody due to COVID, despite the parent making the appropriate arrangements. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, A Kentucky family of seven didn't practice social distancing. Now Child Service is investigating the parents for abuse. Uh, Again, you know, this is something a lot of us would say, you know, this is a, yeah, you know, of course we want, if if there's abuse and extreme negligence going on, yeah, we want uh, the community, the local community to step in and, um, and to, you know, the parents not doing their job, uh, the parent needs to be, uh, there needs to, something needs to be done. But because COVID is something that uh, is very, it's controversial because Many of us realize the threat is not, especially to kids, is not what, um, is is certainly not what the, the, there's a complete um, separation between the way the media portrays it and the way it actually is, even in the data, especially for kids. Uh, And the, you know, is the social distancing really work? Do the masks really work? Do these things actually work? There's a lot of material suggesting it does not. This is, um, a, we would think, a parental decision, but not anymore, and you're seeing that increasingly, that uh, those issues that are in the purview of the state to come in and, um, and take control on are more and more and more and more. I remember years ago when the seat law, uh, belt laws started up, and I, I even thought at that time, and I, to some extent, I have some sympathy with that. I'm like, yeah, okay, seat belts help. Kids should be in seatbelts and stuff, but I also thought, you know, this is—what door are we opening here? When the government can um, punish parents, uh, well, they punish even parents with with whether the kids there or not. If a parent doesn't have their seatbelt on, you get a nice fine. You know, this is something that I I thought of even back then. Are we opening the door to something here? And I think we were. Um, I've seen it in many other. I remember uh, going to a park, you know, after a few years of uh, riding there without a helmet and then going there and you're not allowed to ride unless you have a helmet and stuff. And I realize we're more litigious, I realize um, but you know there's there's a lot of fear out there. Like, can I give you another metric? It just came to my mind. Um, how many kids you know look look back maybe 15, 20, 25 years ago. When you were driving, even in your local community, in a neighborhood, how many kids did you see playing outside? Bands of neighborhood kids roaming around the street, playing basketball, playing uh, hockey, playing whatever. How much of that did you see? And then compare it to today. How much of that do you see today? How many kids are just inside where they're not allowed to go out? You don't see them walking around the street. They're not going out in the summer and mowing their neighbor's lawns because there's fear. We're in a different society now in many places. Now, there might still be some places that are like that. I've noticed um, the tendons, there's more of a fearfulness, I think, in the Northeast uh, where I grew up um, than there is in the South where I live now. Uh, there's, um, and you see that with COVID, but, but in general, I think everywhere that is changing. So, um, there is a fear there that uh, there's predators out there. The state is out there. Media influences are out there. All kinds of things are out there. Parents are, and I think in some ways, rightfully afraid of some of these things. Yeah, Is there such thing as paranoia? There is. Is there such thing as being too controlling? There is. Your, your kids have to be somewhat exposed to some things or else they're not going to be able to handle it when they get out of the house. But the fact is, there are people with agendas and they do see your children as fitting into them. And this is nothing new. This has been happening for a long time. And because our society is breaking down and you have one group that is aggressive about this, wanting your children... Um, Wanting to influence them, it creates more parent, not not even paranoia, legitimate concern in the minds of parents. Here's a story from January 12th of this year. Attorney for PBS wants children of Trump supporters taken away from parents and put into re-education camps. Michael Beller said this, we go for all the Republican voters in Homeland Security, we'll take their children away, we'll put them into re-education camps. There's someone out there who thinks like this, working for, on your tax dollars, public broadcasting stations. American Academy of Pediatrics 2018 The AAP recommends taking a gender affirming non-judgmental approach that helps children feel safe in a society that too often marginalizes or stigmatizes those seen as different. The gender affirming model strengthens family resiliency. Yeah, that's a lie. And takes the emphasis off heightened concerns over gender while allowing children the freedom to focus on academics, relationship building, and other typical development tasks. Additional AAP recommendations include providing youth with access to comprehensive gender-affirming and developmentally appropriate health care, providing family-based therapy and support, Uh, be available to meet the needs of parents, caregivers, and siblings of youth who identify as transgender, making sure that electronic health records, billing systems, patient-centered notification systems, and clinical research are designed to respect the asserted gender identity of each patient while maintaining confidentiality, supporting the insurance plans that cover it, it goes on. Advocacy. This is even advocacy by pediatricians within their communities. I mean, this is activism. This is the AAP. American Academy of Pediatrics. Children, pediatrics. And they're getting all political. And this is the kind of thing, these authoritative organizations, that will be used. Their articles, their research, supposedly, Their conclusions will be used by courts across this country to further justify taking children away, justifying transitioning when one parent doesn't want transitioning, these kinds of things. That's why parents are nervous. Here's another one tidbit to look at. February 25th of this year, Senator Rand Paul presses Secretary Levine, who is transgender on her views, that's Washington Examiner, his views (laughs) on giving children hormone blockers in surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia Rand Paul says do you support government intervening to override the parents consent to give a child puberty blockers cross sex hormones and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia secretary of health levine transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field she won't rule it out he won't rule it out i should say this is the secretary of health for the united states of america Many of you have heard of the uh, case, famous taste, the Texas, uh, in Texas of this young boy, James Younger. Uh, the father does not want him transitioning to a woman, supposedly. The mother does. And uh, last I recall, I, the, I think this headline is accurate. The Texas judge reverses Save James' decision, gives mom who wants gender transition for boy all rights. Here's uh, Dr. Joanna Olson-Kennedy of the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles in California. She had published in 2018 chest reconstruction and chest dy- dysphoria in transmasculine minors and young adults, and her conclusion is chest dysphoria was high among pre-surgical transmasculine youth and surgical intervention positively affected both minors and young adults. Given these findings, professional guidelines and clinical practice should consider patients for chest surgery based on individual need rather than chronological age. So basically kids should make the decision to have their breasts removed. Here is a video, uh, just so you can see for yourself, of Dr. Joanna Olson Kennedy. And I think, I don't, I remember there's a word in here I didn't want, <laughs> let's see if I can skip ahead here. I'll just give you the last section here. That's right. Oh my gosh, my kid took the SATs. Not a very exciting after school special. Right. But so what we do know is that adolescents actually have the capacity to make a reason, logical decision. And here's the other thing about chest surgery. If you want breasts at a later point in
2: your life, you can go and get them.
0: This is so she's at the tail end of making an argument that, look, hey, kids make a lot of decisions. Children make a lot of decisions. Teenagers make a lot of decisions that affect them for the rest of their life. Why can't they make this decision? So we don't let them vote, we don't let them drink, we don't let them do a lot of things. They can't make a lot of decisions for themselves, but th- this one, you know, uh, changing their their gender, you know, that's something they should be able to make a decision on. And if that's true, then why not let them vote? Why, why is pedophilia wrong? Let me ask the question, why is it wrong in this worldview? If you really truly believe that they should be able to make the choice to change their gender, to have these body-altering surgeries, what's the difference between a surgeon uh, touching these body parts uh, and, uh, you know, a grown man coming and touching a girl who's young or vice versa? What's the difference? You know, well, this is a perfect justification for child abuse. Well, if the child can, is young enough, it should be able to make that decision. I mean, this, this just eats into all the consent. Uh, consent was never even a, a standard that was going to—we knew that that was a holding standard. It was never going to be long-term. But this eats into everything. Now, I want to bring you through some quotes. Uh, Just, you know, I thought about this. I thought, you know, what is this, this obsession with children? This, you know, children, we want the children. And there's a lot of, and there's more quotes than I could have even given here. I just want to give you a few. Here's Karl Marx. The education of all children from the moment that they can get along without a mother's care shall be in state institutions. Part of his dream. His dream's coming true, by the way. More and more and more. Over time, over years, hundreds of years, you can really go back to even before Dewey. Uh, States, it's, it's a human scale thing too. Um, Department of Education, controlling all things from the top down, more and more and more. That's why it's important still with the, the voice that you still have, if, if, especially if you have children, get involved with your school board. Even if you don't, if you're retired, why not you get involved with your school board? You're affecting uh, in some way the outcomes of the children who live in your community. But I would suggest um, I know not everyone is in the same situation. Homeschool if you can homeschool, homeschool if you can send them to a good private school, send them to a good private school. I know there's still a few decent public schools around uh, in certain areas, but um, it, when they're getting their orders from the Department of Education, uh, when they're um, you know the te- the people that are coming out to teach are from the teachers colleges, you're in trouble, and you got to be on guard and um, Karl Marx, his dream is coming true. State institutions are more and more and more taking control of the agenda your kids learn, uh, even in the United States. Here's um, uh, Lenin. We need that generation of young people who begin to reach political maturity in the midst of a disciplined and desperate struggle against the bourgeoisie. In this struggle, that generation is training genuine communists. It must subordinate to this struggle and link up with it, each step in its studies education and training here's hitler Uh, my prop program for educating youth is hard weakness must be hammered away in my castles of the teutonic order a new youth will grow up before which the world will tremble i want a brutal domineering fearless and cruel youth youth must be all that it must bear pain there must be nothing weak and gentle about it the free splendid beast of prey Must once again flash from its eyes. This is how I will eradicate thousands of years of human domestication. That is how I will create the new order. Joseph Stalin, education is a weapon whose effects depend on who holds it in his hands and at whom it is aimed. Mao Zedong, education in democracy must be carried on within the party. So that members can understand the meaning of democratic life, the meaning of the relationship between democracy and centralism, and the way in which democratic centralism should be put into practice. Only in this way can we really extend democracy within the party and at that, the same time avoid ultra-democracy and the laissez-faire that destroys discipline. Our purpose is to ensure that literature and art fit well into the whole revolutionary machine as a component part and that they operate as powerful weapons for uniting and educating the people and for attacking and destroying the enemy and that they help the people fight the enemy with one heart and one mind. And I'd like to suggest it's Mao's world that we're living in more than the others I just read from. Um, It's not just the state education uh, factories of state education schools. It's, it's also, it's art, it's literature. Um, it's all the institutions of society coming together and giving your kids the same message. Forget about you know, this uh, idea that there's, oh, the diversity. It's not diversity of thought. It's one message. It's unity of one message, and that is to destroy, to take down, to rip apart, to, to, um, to uh, completely and utterly uh, destroy the Western civilization, Western family, um, the ideas that those are predicated on, the assumptions behind them, et cetera. I want to read for you this is a quote from mikhail foucault she said um education may well be as of right uh, the instrument whereby every individual in a society like our own can gain access to any kind of discourse but we, we well know that in its distribution, in what it permits and in what it prevents, it follows the well-trodden battle lines of social conflict. Every educational system is a political means of maintaining or of modifying the appropriation of discourse with the knowledge and powers it carries with it. Now, discourse, when he's talking, think hegemony, hegemony, discourse, um, the, the ruling, order, the uh, the values and, and things that are engrafted in society that control what people do. Uh, I mean, he's a postmodern thinker, also um, homosexual, uh, and you know he died because of that. Uh, he got AIDS, but uh, I think at a bathhouse in San Francisco, something like that. He M- Michel Foucault wanted to deconstruct society, and he acknowledges: look, education is is upholding society. It's upholding these values, this discourse, but. What he's saying is that this is this is the role of education. This is what education does. It upholds the discourse. It's it's not neutral. It 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 it's going to to give you something. Um, it's going to push you in a direction. A political. It's political. And I think that today's progressives know this. That's why they focus on education. That's why they focus on your children so much. They know if they can get them at that stage, when they're impressionable. They know that if they can, um, they can give them the discourse they want them to live by the rules to live by the forms the uh, habits etc uh to undermine their own culture they can do it and they have the power to do it and they've been doing it and they've been doing a pretty good job national education association this is the largest teachers union uh largest i believe white collar uh union in the country 2019 they this is what they did they um their representative assembly uh put uh, had an affirmation of the fundamental right to an abortion advocated for open borders and decriminalization of illegal immigration implementation of social justice training for teachers uh, they want uh, let's see working with the human rights campaign to pass the equality act support for black lives matters week of action in schools advocacy for reparations as a remedy for social injustice developing a training program for LGBTQXYZ clubs uh, pushing for development of state legislation mandating uh, LGBTQXYZ inclusion curriculum from K to 12, advocacy for the continued proliferation of gender-neutral restrooms in public schools. This is all from the National Education Educational Association. How many teachers are in that? I mean, this is the largest teachers' union, guys. Organization they belong to. Let me read for you some Bible verses. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, education isn't neutral. It, the discipline and instruction of the Lord isn't neutral in the sense that um, you know, every person in society can come to school and they're going to learn the same exact values, uh, and no one's going to have a problem with it. In a diverse society like we have with different religions and uh, different uh, worldviews, you're not going to have that. It's impossible. You're going to have to pick. Someone's going to win out in the end. Their assumptions about reality are going to win out. Is it going to be the Lord's? Because that's what you're commanded to in Ephesians 6. Fathers are commanded to raise their children up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen through 19, you shall therefore impress these words of mine in your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them while you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Joshua four twenty one through 22, he said to the sons of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. Tradition, habit, um, ceremony, uh, passing things down, eternal truths down. Not just eternal truths, but their place in the grand scheme. That's what this memorial is about, these stones. And it's parents who are given the responsibility to do this. It's fathers primarily that are given the responsibility. Now look, here's the thing. Can you send your kids to school? I don't think it's a sin. I know some people there, there are some kind of hardline homeschoolers who disagree with me on that and think it's always wrong to send your kids to public school or something like that. I don't think—you can't show me a Bible verse that says this is a sin. Is it wise is the question, and the, the answer is most of the time it's probably not. Should you send them to Christian school? Should you just homeschool them? Should you? It's going to look different for different families in different situations. But the father is responsible, and sometimes that means doing more work, Sometimes that means getting both parents together, having a game plan. We're going to, all right, we're going to have to make sure that our, our children are strong in this area where they're going to have to combat what they're going to hear at school. Um, sometimes it means um, in a local, it's, it's easier when it's on a lower, on a human scale, when you're in a local community of like-minded parents, for the most part, you can arrange for your child's edu- education. That was the idea behind schools in the first place. Dad's got to work, you know? Mom's got things to do in the house. You can't always teach your children the things that they all need to know. It's or it's hard to do it uh, in today's and in industrialization has changed a lot of this. Um, it's the things that you're expected to know are different than the things you were expected to know 200 years ago, when you would just whatever trade your dad had, you'd probably have, or you'd be an apprentice to someone. Uh, if you were a female, you'd be learning from your mom how to keep house and these kinds of things, and that was your station in life for the most part. Today, uh, the the economy is different. There are certain things, certain trades you might want to know, certain things you might want to know, especially if you want to get into college, if you want to do a a white collar job, you're going to need uh, to um, have an education. So, um, And a lot of this runs right through the state. I don't think it's a good system. I have a lot of ideas for how it could be better, but that's the system you live in. And how does a parent arrange or uh figure out what the best thing for their child is and it's going to look different um and a local scale you you may be able to figure that out pretty well you may be able to arrange for your children to have a good education keep an eye on it may maintain good relationships with the teachers that kind of thing um and it may be totally fine um but in a um in most places, I think it's going to look, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. You're going to you're gonna want to look into homeschooling or co-ops or some, some and, and there are all our, our alternatives popping up. There are classical schools pop, popping up. There's a whole movement for that. Although now I'm hearing that that's even getting subverted by social justice. There was, I forget which one it was. It was one of the major classical school organizations. They had a conference recently, I think in South Carolina, and their headliners for their speakers were all sorts of woke people. Karen Swallow Pryor, I think he spoke there. Um, so you gotta even be careful with that now. Uh, but parents have got to take responsibility and that's the bottom line here. And for someone like Phil Vischer to just laugh, to laugh this off that there's threats to your kids. They're going to take your kids. Yeah. And whether it's forcibly taking them, uh, by coming in the middle of the night and knocking on the door, like has happened in more totalitarian regimes, but now is starting to happen on little, little here, little there in Western countries, or it's just the little by little subversion over time that was talked about in that song. There is an agenda for your kids, and we shouldn't be surprised at that. Um, so I just wanted to I I, I wanted to um, make you aware. A lot of the even the evangelical leaders out there, quote unquote, are they're they're not on they're not tracking with this. They're not seeing it. They're so concerned sometimes with their own platforms or power or. I don't know. They're just they're disengaged from, from this, but it is a real battle. It is going on, and I believe it is spiritual, and it is the way that our culture is transformed. Uh, Ronald Reagan would say that freedom is one generation from extinction, and that's true. Uh, in one generation, a whole entire culture can change drastically when they are allowed to be influenced um, by people who um, are evil, And, um, and so I would encourage you get involved, not just with your kids, but if you, if you can get involved with, uh, with, with children's ministry, with youth ministry, with college ministry, Uh, there's such a need. I used to be involved with college ministry a lot, and I'm looking forward to getting involved, maybe some more here um, after I move. There's such a need. I've, I've done ministry, college ministry on, I think four different campuses and what what kids want? What, what college kids want? They're they're still searching. They're still looking. The world's not giving them answers. So many of them just want parental figures. Their uh, their they're, you know, home life is bad, dysfunctional home, broken home. And if you just had an older couple, even or just an older person, to come on campus for you know look looking to see what Christian groups maybe at the local campus or something, or look, go to your church. See, hey, maybe you could have the college kids over for dinner it means a lot. It means a lot. And you have a lot of influence that you don't realize you have. Some Sometimes older folks think they're irrelevant uh, because of the assumptions that have prevailed since post-World War II, youth cultures evolved, I guess, and pop culture. But the truth is, you have a lot more influence than you think. And kids and uh, teenagers and young adults are actually Demanding, They're screaming for that and they don't know where to find it. They're going to the social justice movement. They're going to all kinds of things, looking for identity, looking for a place, looking for answers, and you can play a valuable part in it. And maybe you haven't considered that, uh, but I would suggest considering it. So um, that's all I have for today. Uh, I think tomorrow, let's see, there's a bunch of stuff I have uh, that um oh i i should mention I, I forgot to mention i know there's some violence happening right now in south africa please please pray for the country of south africa i may have someone come on to talk about it um in the coming days but uh there's a lot of violence going on there and um you know we sometimes i wonder you know I, i've talked about the southern baptist convention it looks like Ed Litton plagiarized uh, now a tim keller sermon it, it's he's been caught in that and there's just so many things, but when I when I put from a global perspective, and I don't mean a global when a social justice warriors talk about a global perspective, I mean like actually looking at what's happening around the world. It really seems like our problems uh, in denominational infighting are small, and I know they're important. I've talked about them a lot because they're important, but when you consider what's happening, the the dead bodies in in places like Nigeria and South Africa. Uh, it just it breaks your heart and so um, I want to focus on some of that stuff uh, in the coming weeks if we can. Uh, anyway, hey God bless and um, I know that's a little bit of a negative kind of you know I'm sounding the alarm but don't forget though there is a spiritual war, there's also a God who not only has, has loves you, who, who came to if you' if you're in Christ, if you repent of your sins, uh, you are guaranteed through God's promises, you're guaranteed a place with him for eternity because of what Jesus has done. Uh, God is good. Um, He sent his son, Christ died for your sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He rose from the dead, conquering death. And he calls on every person to repent of their sins and put their trust in him. And he's also, in addition to all that, look outside, look out your window and see how beautiful it is and see uh, that there are certain things that cannot be taken away. Even if your kids are taken away, there's certain things. There's a beauty out there, and it is wonderful, and um, thank God for it. So I want to leave you on that note if I can. God bless, and uh, more episodes coming later this week. Bye now.